Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Every time we submerge into the unsearchable depths of our inheritance in Christ, we will study the unchanging epigraph that is in the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. These were the final words of Christ upon the mountain. He began then to rise from them, from his disciples. They were looking to the heavens, and the cloud took him from their sight. They still continued to look. Maybe somehow he'll come back. But suddenly two angels, two men, appeared before them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you look up into the sky, the very same Jesus who was taken from you will return in the same way you saw him leave. And so our rapture will be quiet and we will know specifically that the time has come. Everyone will suddenly get this revelation. Nothing will happen in the world. The world will not know. The world will live the life they live. But in the, ne in the next day, of course, the newspapers, the uh, channels will be, the news channels will be reporting uh, about uh, people leaving. Because before we go, we will tell our friends and those that are close to us and saints that are close to us that may have not uh, achieved perfection yet, uh, that did not have this promise inside, 
uh, the erection of stronghold in their body. They did not have the testimony that they will be raptured. They did not have this confirmation. They did not have the morning star. And they will tell everyone, just as Elijah was taken and uh, Elisha saw all of this, we also suddenly will be taken. It won't be sudden for us because we were expecting it so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, who reveals the truth in our heart, as long as we, of course, have Him and we've received Him as our Lord and our Master, Lord and Master of our life. He, uh, we have been studying what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Just as you put a new dress upon yourself or a new suit, it is the same way our body will be clothed into incorruption and to be clothed into the new person uh, this happens by the confessions of our mouth the words that we confess they are the spirit of life they abide forever everything is corrupt but what the words we receive by faith and confess they abide forever the word of God abides forever and this is the eternal life we will be clothed into. The Lord will allow us to clothe our bodies into our confessions. And this place of scripture, this is one and there are many more of them. This is what uh, brings us to our calling. It it, uh, talks about why we came to God. We were born from God and what is next? What goal did God have? to bear us to himself. It turns out that God had a purpose for each one of us, a calling, and this calling is not evangelism and not something else, but that we cast off of ourselves our old man. It's not possible to clothe ourselves into our new person until we cast off of ourselves. We undress ourselves of this old man, this corrupt man. And the most unfortunate is that millions of Christians absolutely are not familiar with this calling. They're generals, they're called generals. Instead of uh, calling them apostles, they call them generals of God. They teach them that the most important thing to do in your life for a Christian is to evangelize. As soon as you come to God, they teach him how to attract souls to God. But this is not something you teach. You don't need to teach. Do you need to teach the sun how to shine? No, you just need to be the sun. When you become a light, you won't need to teach. This light will attract people. And this does not mean that we need to drive somewhere for some reason. God wants that every one of us remain in the place where we are and that we be a light there. First of all, for your wife and your husband, for your children, for your parents, for your neighbors, for your colleagues at work, 
all those that we come in contact with and we communicate with so that they see that we are not like them. We are not like them. We don't react to the events that are taking place in the world as they react. Look at how people are reacting to war, to to famine, to political changes. We react very differently. First of all, we died for our nation, the house of our father, and for our corrupt desires. Our uh, citizenship is he- of heaven, and our new our home is our new heaven and new earth. This earth will burn, and this heaven will also burn. It is all condemned. God does not call us to pray uh, for no wars. War is a harvest of nations. They sowed this and now are harvesting either either in one place of the of the planet or a different place of the planet. It's not possible not to reap what you sow. And so what does God uh, have to do with this? They blame God, saying, God, why have you allowed this? God created men sovereign, and they told God, we don't want to know you, and if we want to know you, then we want to know you as we decide. The way we uh, illustrate you, the way we design you is the way you should be. We will create you the way we want you to be. And so Protestants also, they may not have a physical statue, but they have this image in their mind. If Christ would be the same for everyone, we would be united. There's no churches. We're not talking about just denominations. Even churches, they're not united. Everyone teaches you need to have your own opinion, your own uh, way of seeing it, things. Uh, and the reason is because they're carnal. Only a spiritual person, only in the spirit, are we able to unite and be united in Christ. And so to fulfill this decreeing commandment, and this is a commandment, this is a calling, We need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice, and these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements, these are at the foundation, at the base of our salvation, will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. We all have the choice, the option, blessing or cursing, life or death. An infant can't choose. A person who is an infant first needs to be grown into full measure of growth in Christ, and only when he is grown into full measure of growth in Christ, he is then offered a choice. I offer life and death, blessing and curse, and cursing, and so I offer to you the opportunity to put off your old man, put away your old way of life, renew your mind and count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and begin to proclaim the not-existence stronghold of incorruption in your body as existent. Periodically, people ask me questions, how do we upon practice clothe ourselves? This is upon practice, count yourself dead to sin, and living for God. Count yourself that you've died to sin. That doesn't mean that you truly have died, but you count that you've died to sin because God sees it this way. Because in Jesus Christ, He has already done it that we've died to sin for governing sin that's inside. We can't die if we don't meditate about this 
and confess this. This is what it is upon practice. And so our words then will be the nets of the kingdom of heaven that we ourselves are catching ourselves into and we will be then the nets of the kingdom of heaven that is a light then to the world also. Salvation that is given to us, it is given to us in the format of a seed which identifies the down payment of our justification that is given to us in salvation where we need to turn the three above mentioned acts into profit within the death of our Lord Jesus so that our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of a deposit forever. Again, I want to repeat that when we obtain a home or car, we pay, we, we, we bring in a down payment. That doesn't mean we now own this house or car. We now will find the remaining amount that we owe. We, we, get, we are given time to find the remaining amount we owe, and we then bring it in. And so then we receive a, a confirmation of a document with, with the seal, with the signatures, and it becomes then your own, your, your owner of it. It's the same thing as salvation. It's given to us in the format of a seed. The seed needs to die. When we receive this salvation, the seed dies together with us. The seed can't die independent of us. We ourselves become the seed of salvation. But the seed is not fruit. It is not your, uh, you're not the owner of your own salvation. You need to die first in the Lord of, the, uh, in the death of the Lord Jesus. You need to die for the law, through the law, and so together then with Him you can live when you ra- uh, raise from the dead together with Him, and then it becomes our own. If the children of God would have been told these things from the beginning, they would have the the eagerness, the desire not to push themselves forward. People want to push themselves forward so much. They end up in a church and they try to uh, somehow become uh, obvious to others, either in their clothing or in something they do. But when you when you do it for the Lord and then you sing on the stage, for example, then it becomes even a healing for us. When, peop- when we come here, not just our spiritual strength is restored, our physical strength is also restored. Here we forget pain. Suddenly it stops hurting. And then we come home and it's, it hurts again. If you've paid attention when you come to the service, and if you've prepared your heart to listen to the Word of God and you worship, at the time of worship, you forget. I have experienced this personally. And so, if we will not be able to understand this calling, then our names, that when we made a covenant with God, were written into the Book of Life, in the format of the given to us, a deposit will forever be blotted out of the Book of Life. In a specific format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two requirements and stopped to study the process of the third requirement, and specifically, the conditions that we need to fulfill. This is the most important requirement to confess with your mouth the faith of your heart, the preached word that we have accepted into our heart. And this word is not just a simple word. This is a discipline. This is the truth. This is uh, given to us in the format of a seed. 
and we grow this seed when we proclaim the not existent as existent it in our it is in our mind or image thinking and we wait for it with patience and patience needs to have a perfect acts with it we need to wait and the longer it uh, the time is prolonged the stronger your trust and hope needs to be because we're growing and although God is uh, prolonging it so none of us perish it becomes more more alive and stronger what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person who is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth and so this new person demonstrates himself in the confessions of our faith the words that we confess God is a spiritual uh, essence and he is a bearer or carrier of information we also were a programmable system God is a living programmable system and he created us as living programmable systems the unfortunate thing is that being born from the corrupt seed we've inherited from this corrupt seed our old man the programmable system of the fallen cherubim and there is the program of sin and it is not immediately uh, revealed it uh, slowly begins to reveal itself but when we're born again a new person appears in our body a second person also a programmable system and now into this programmable system you need to put a program and when we hear the Word of God and we accept it then we accept the program into our living programmable system into our new person and relevant to this we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the wisdom and the authority that he alone has reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High David turns to God and calls him El Elyon this is Most High God and this condition consists in us calling upon the Most High as to our God and proclaiming the faith of our heart we are always saying Lord thank you that I have died for my nation, the house of my father, and for my corrupt or destructive desires. And governing sin within you says, how is it you've died to this? Who are you saying this to? How have you died? You want to sin, right? He's shouting inside, but we ignore him and we say, I have died. And we proclaim that. This resistance, sometimes it doesn't work. Your thoughts overcome you. And how do you fight those thoughts? When you fill your glass with water, you won't need to resist those thoughts. While this glass is not yet full, that small area can still be filled with other thoughts. But as soon as you fill your vessel completely with the Word of God, then no other thoughts will bother you. And so I'm talking about thoughts, evil thoughts, uh, perverse thoughts, corrupted thoughts but only thoughts of God 
that you will be interested in and that you will meditate on. And so this condition consists in us calling upon the Most High as to our God and proclaiming the faith of our heart when we are in the circumstances of our tight situation, when we're casting off our old man. And this is not easy. Cast, to cast off your old man is a process. And at this time, we need to call upon God and proclaim in our prayer who God is to us in Jesus Christ. What God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's important. You see, I continuously say in Jesus Christ. I just recently on YouTube, I was listening to the service and right after our service, there's another uh, church or service that pops up and there's a main leader of a Pentecostal church in Russia. He's an arch-episcopal, uh, is how he's called. And he's just saying clever words. And now he says, listen, look at me, everyone, and I will pray uh, about for all of you. And so he said, Heavenly Father, but he never uses the name Jesus Christ. You understand God won't listen to a person if he dares to come to God and not through Jesus Christ or in him. Jesus said, when you pray, everything you ask, ask in my name, and it and it will be given to you. But he's just praying to the Father. Or people are just sometimes praying to Christ alone. And this all also violates the, the correct order in which to pray. Jesus is not the Father. He is the Son of God. We need to turn to the main head, God the Father. And we need to turn and pray to Him in the name of Jesus Christ, because God sees us in Jesus Christ. He redeemed us, and the work that He had done, He had done in Jesus Christ. And so when we say Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, here there's a mass amount of information that we need to have then, who God is for me, what He's done for me, and so forth. And so we note that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and also with governing Sid, who is our old person with his deeds. And so again, three kings within one body and all want control of the body and the field of battle is our heart. And so that is why sometimes we're impatient inside and sometimes in our dreams we have terrible dreams. People come to me and say, what is this? I uh, Did I sin? I have such terrible dreams. How do you explain to a person? What do you want? In your body, there are three kings that live and all want control of your body. And the field of battle is your heart. And when the mind you block all these things that are happening inside but when you fall asleep all calms down and and then these terrible uh, dreams can can come and so a person begins to think something's wrong in your relationship with God Jesus also saw terrible uh, dreams the devil was tempted by uh, with tempting Christ and what do you think he was seeing or experiencing 
uh, when the devil was tempting him. It is the same thing here. The devil will tempt you. Don't ever base anything on dreams you have. Base everything on the information you receive. Faith is information. It's what you know and not what you feel or what you may see in your dreams. And so in its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to us as kings, priests, and prophets. Carnal men are not able to have the status of a king, priest, and prophet, and so their prayer will be as the prayer of Hagar. They satisfy themselves. And you ask, does God hear them? He can hear them but not listen to them. To hear is one thing, but to listen is different. To listen is to fulfill what they're asking. Sometimes God does not hear, sometimes He closes His ears, because we being Hagar, then carnal men, are trying to or daring it to come into the holy place. How can you enter the holy place if you are an infant, a, a carnal person? If you don't have control of your thoughts, you don't have control of your tongue, you don't have control of your feelings, if you always have some sort of religiousness, not a living faith, what kind of priest can you have, can you be then? How can you come into God's presence? But people don't know about this, they're not taught any of this. They think that if they get on their knees, and they're on their knees for two hours praying in tongues, that something will happen. They think something will happen, yes, something will happen you will truly begin to see something, some kind of events can take place, but they will be from the devil. Because God does not give visions or revelations or do some, or promote some kind of events uh, in a carnal person. He is not a light to the world. He is not a lamp in the church. This is someone who people avoid and try to pass by because this person may become angry at you. Oh, this person's always saying, well, you're not greeting me the way I'd like you to. You're not looking at me the way I'd like you to. Uh, you tell him something, he doesn't listen or hear anything you say. Think This says a lot about someone, that this person is carnal. He is not able to work the, the, the prayer of faith. Faith is truth in the heart. This is what faith is, it's information. And collaborating with it is confessing who God is to us, what He's done for us, who we are to Him. This is what it means to collaborate our faith with God's faith. And so the given allegory is one of those powerful and voluminous examples, again demonstrating the, uh, the the resistance, of course, again, as we talked about, uh, the three kings that resist and battle with one another. And in, in its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to, to us as kings, priests, and prophets. The first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. The state that our heart will be in is how our prayer will be. If we have within our heart the virtue of a king, priest, and prophet, then our prayer will be corresponding to, to a prayer of a king, priest, and prophet. 
<clears throat> the second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the form of David from the hand of all of our enemies. The third part illustrates that prayer battle, or the prayer battle itself. It contains an epic genre, which is beyond the limitation of the typical human mind. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so that he can be saved from his enemies. If we don't know the power of God's names, we will not be able to ever fall in love with Him because we understand the word love as something emotional because it's in the body and it's an emotion. But the spirit has its own emotion and it's not a physical sense. The spirit depends on information. Christ says that if you love me, keep my commandments. When we keep God's commandments, we experience uh, negative emotions as it is usually no one wants to uh, turn the right cheek when they when someone just uh, was hit in the in the left cheek and so when you're fulfilling God's command what will you feel will you be feeling euphoria how, of how much you love the Lord if someone uh, uh, shouted at you, accused you, criticized you, what will you feel in that moment? What kind of love did Christ feel when he was he was beaten, when he was spat upon? What did he feel? But he loved us at this time. Our sins crucified him. And it wasn't just the high priests or the, the soldiers of Pilate that beat him, we are in those hands of the soldiers of, of Pilate. Our sins did this. And so what is he supposed to feel at this time when our sins are inflicting that kind of pain? And so he wasn't looking at what he was feeling. He was, he was looking at the information he knew. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't know that I am their savior. When a person doesn't know, then that you are a his savior, it's as an animal that fell into a trap, but you caught him there so you can release him, but he doesn't know this. And so let us look at this prayer that we need to pray, that we are called to pray this prayer. To call God who uh, the names of whom he is to us. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. Eight names that identify the covenant that is made between God and us. Altogether, we will proclaim who God is to us in Jesus Christ in these eight names. This is very important to God. When we are at home, we can do this alone, but when we are gathered together, as we sing together, we united, we sing, together we then proclaim who God is to us. This is a great power that gives God the legitimate 
ability to affect us because everything God gives to us, He gives us in the body that is in Zion and from the position of Zion and when we are a member of this body or the Zion. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear and may he confirm these words in our hearts. And may he make us by the means of these words that we have confessed and have accepted into our heart immovable so that we can stand upon the neck of our enemy and destroy him. As much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we already studied our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of five names of God and these are strength, rock, fortress, deliver and living rock and stop to study our unsearchable inherited lot in Jesus Christ contained in the name of God who is our living shield. Getting to know the eight names of God which identify God's covenant with us is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of our man which is purposed to be our mantle, our calling as warriors in prayer, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body, not the body of your wife or husband or your children or your neighbor, but your own personal body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into a heavenly body, then the revelation about God consisting of his name, shield, that is purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him in any way because due to his stiff neck he has refused the given to him by God calling to save his soul so that he can adopt his body by the truth that is contained in the redemption of Christ because in the beginning we save our souls and when we save our soul, we renew our mind, then by the means of our renewed mind, we can then save our body, because a renewed mind collaborates then with our gentle tongue, our meek tongue, and begins to discipline our body or clothe it into the new person. The name of God in the virtue of our living shield is presented in Scripture as living protection that is ranked in Scripture for warriors in prayer as their military armor or weaponry. This is the all armor of God into which we need to be clothed. And we're talking here about the shield of the Lord. And the purpose of such a shield is called to called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer who battle in the interests of the will of God against all enemies within our body as well as outside of our body, as well as provoke enmity between ourselves and our enemies so that we can overthrow them and take back what belongs to us. Because the enemy that confronts us, he also has a shield that he trusts in, and this shield for him in our body is the law of Moses. He trusts upon this upon the shield. And while this law of Moses lives in our body, this will be the shield of governing sin, the old man, 
who will be resisting us and coming in conflict with us. And so the law of God, it reveals sin, gives power to sin, the law of Moses. But when we're grown into full measure of growth in Christ, and by the law we die for the law, we in this way uh, remove the old man from the throne, and we then imprison him, we bind him within our body, and our body then becomes for him a, a prison. And upon his place we then put the stronghold of life, and then the Holy Spirit comes as the Lord and Master. He can't come. We can't receive him into our heart as Lord and Master until the old man is not eliminated or removed. We're not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit can be received in the day of repentance and you can pray in tongues. But speaking in tongues is what your spirit does. It's not the Holy Spirit speaking, but your spirit. And he receives the ability uh, to speak. Uh, your your spirit uh, using your mouth <clears throat> and this is so that he can communicate with God pray to God sing to God but this is not the Holy Spirit himself the Holy Spirit has given the gift but it's not the Holy Spirit himself the individual the Holy Spirit can come as Lord and Master only when the, there is a throne for him when there will not be uh, holes for foxes and nests for birds when a person will leave spiritual infancy, will not be attracted by various winds of doctrine, when he then he finds a person whom he can acknowledge as his delegated teacher, who will have the fathership of God, he will be an apostle. But people don't acknowledge apostles. They say, well, they don't exist today. They say there are archepiscopals, there's generals, but no apostles. That's what they say and think, but that's not the truth. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. You see, the seed is the word, and we've received this word. The seed of the woman, it's talking about Christ, he is the seed of the woman. But we also are the seed of the woman when we're born from God. We are at this time then the seed of the woman because we're born in the church and because of that, because of us being born in the church, because God bears his His people in the church and the church is the woman, the, the mother. And so I will put enmity, enmity between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so he shall bruise his heel. And so when we strike in the head by confessing the truth, but sin strikes us in the heel, bruises us in the heel, not in the, uh, he doesn't bruise the head because the head is Christ and he can't bruise that head. And so he bruises us in the heel. And so this is uh, corruption and this venom uh, bruising will be illnesses, uh, all kinds of suffering and so I will put enmity and we strike him in the head he will stop then bruising us in the heel when he we bruise him in the head when the when the enemy will be pursuing us so that he can put us again into slavery when we are freed from the slavery of our soul 
then he, in the form of God then, in the form of our living shield, will immediately stand or intervene between us and our enemies, between us and our old man. This is so that he can take the hits upon himself of the vile curse that has been passed on to us by the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Exodus 14, 19, 20. God will uh, make a way for our, our spirit but our carnal mind will not understand what's going on because he will be in darkness, uh, because our mind does not agree with our heart. We, we would like to, but well, until the mind, uh, the carnal mind is eliminated, the old man, the reasonable abilities of the soul, until it's dead in, in the death of the Lord Jesus and rises, he won't understand uh, we can understand and accept with the heart, but while the mind is, the power of the mind is not uh, subdued, uh, the mind will say, well, I, that's not my opinion, I think this is better. Just as Saul, if you remember, he told Samuel, I thought that this would be better for, for your God, he said, because the mind, you, uh, for the mind, God is God for your mind is is your mind itself. The mind will never want to acknowledge God over himself. And for the devil, it's hard because God, the devil wants the person to acknowledge him as God, but a man makes his own mind as God. And if I want to understand or, or not, you don't need to understand anything with your mind. You need to accept the truth. If the mind doesn't understand it, you still accept it. And so how can I know? Uh, how do I know what I should accept or not? You may ask, maybe this is poison. So, so you not accept poison. You need to first pray that God opened for you uh, the per- his own person. And then you will not be receiving poison. But if you choose a person by the matter of voting for them, then you will consistently be uh, receiving venom and poison, and it will be packaged beautifully. Uh, It will be poison in an attractive package. And so, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God's shield, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world, so to be our living shield, so that he can take upon himself the inherited hits or strikes, of the vile curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, protect and block us from the deception of the evil one, protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue, to protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness, protect and block us from the curse of poverty, protect and block us from the curse of untimely or or, or an early form of death, and protect us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers. Considering such a tandem or such a union of God with man, it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence both the role of God and the role of man. Because God is the helper and we are the responsible party. In life, in the physical, in our physical life, when we are in a, uh, in a marriage, then the wife is helper and the husband then takes the role of the lead or head. 
But in the spirit, uh, God says, you are the, the head and I will help. You will speak and then I will help, in other words. If you will speak what corresponds to my will, I will help you. Because in Hebrew, the word helper means to stand for him, to stand with him, and to stand against him. And you'll say, well, how is that so? It's contradicting the other, to stand for him and with him and then against him. Yes, rabbis, when they would marry a couple, they would they ask the, the, the bride, you need to listen to your husband, but only while he follows the Torah, the Holy Scriptures. Then you can stand for him and with him, but as soon as he departs from it or strays away, you need to stand against him. And when she says, I agree, then only do they marry them. <clears throat> she is not enslavery them uh, like the Protestants teach. Everything your husband says you need to do, and Protestants deceive the people. As the church obeys Christ in all things, the wives also their husbands, but... <clears throat> and so, as a neighbor church once uh, was teaching this, <clears throat> and so... They, there was a woman who had an issue and so they said well we spoke with the brothers we have come to a conclusion that if the husband told you to plant your lettuce the opposite direction uh, with with the, not the bottom but the top first down uh, then you need to do it because your husband said it and so they the, we're not supposed to obey anything and everything that's said it's supposed to be within reason. If a prophet comes that speaks a, not not according to scripture, you need to not listen to him. <clears throat> and so some people may say, well, they're prophets, but they may not be prophets in teaching things. And so we understand this. For this purpose, as with, we need to understand our role. And God's role, God will never help us until we fulfill from our side uh, what he's told us. Jesus prayed in the Gethsemane Valley, may this cup be taken from me. But as soon as he said, may not my will but your will be, then did he send an angel to support and help him because he agreed with God's will. Until we agree with God's will, he won't help us. It's the same thing here. If the husband says, but it's not in accordance to God's will, uh, the wife doesn't have to listen, or he speaks foolish things, uh, something that is in regular everyday life, but it's foolish or not reasonable, then she doesn't need to follow it. When I began to teach this way, brothers came to me uh, and said, "What are you?" when I began to teach this, they said, what are you doing to us? The, our wives are already sitting on our heads, and now you're allowing them even more. The brothers say, well, they have all this power over us, and now you, you're giving them even more power. I said, no, God gave them the power, not, not me, and, and you are just violating their sovereign rights. And she is violating your sovereign rights because you don't know your roles. You were not taught those roles. Uh, what, the, what role of the wife is, what the role of the husband is, as we not learn what the role of God is or our role, we're often trying to fulfill God's role instead of fulfilling our own our own role. And so, 
свойством Писания наделяет имя Бога, назначение Его славного имени щит. Какое назначение в нашем... And so, according to Scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God in the purpose of His glorious name shield? What purpose, being in the role of our protector, did God allocate for Himself? And what role has He placed upon us? What conditions do we need to fulfill? So that we can provide God with a basis to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of His name as a living shield of our faith, and by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of His name shield. We will remember <coughs> that all of the works that relate to our protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God, where we see the role of God in the function of our helper and the role of man in the function of the responsible party, party are clearly identified and outlined. And so draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God will not dr draw near to us first until we draw near to him first. <clears throat> he begins to help us when we begin to fulfill his words. This means that until we fulfill our role, identified in the three above mentioned acts of God, we will not have any legitimate basis to fulfill his uh God will not have any legitimate basis to fulfill his role. Not having clear and exhaustive responses to these questions which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in faith, we will not have any opportunities to turn to profit the silver of the given to us down payment of salvation so that we can then receive our self salvation as a possession in the form of the fruit of righteousness that has grown in the Eden of our heart. For all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 if it was written that, if it was written and this part where it says through us was eliminated or not there, it would be easier. And, and as, as some may think. And so if you're upset as an, at an apostle, then you won't receive anything. Your, your anger will not allow you to receive any promises. You need to have the, an appropriate relationship being angry at, at God's apostle, you're, ups, you're angry or upset at Christ. And so, who accepts you accepts me, and who accepts me accepts the Father who sent me, who does not accept you and rejects you, rejects me. And who rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Therefore, without the collaboration of our faith with the powers contained in the name of God's shield, concealed within our heart in the format of the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ, we will not be able to please God. As it is written, but without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 And so question, how do you believe in God? That means you obey God's faith, which is information that comes from the preached to us word. <clears throat> That's what it means to believe God, to obey the words of God. God's faith is the general, our faith is the, is the soldier that is obedient to the general. <clears throat> In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third. What conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with the proper foundation that He needs to allow us to partake in the unsearchable and inherent the unsearchable inheritance of his name, the living shield of our faith. Seven of the components of the price giving God the legitimate foundation to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name shield have already been subjects of our study. Therefore, we will immediately go to the seventh component of the price, 
the first component of the price consists in fulfilling the condition giving us the ability to worship the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. We already studied these. And so conditions, again, to worship the Father in, he, uh, in spirit and in truth. The second consists in the condition to accept the Gadites who, who came to us in the wilderness to demonstrate for us the power of the name of God in the virtue of our living shield. The Gadites, as we talked about, is the preached word, information that we have accepted, and that will allow us to to enthrone within ourselves David or to put him on the throne. That's why they came there, the Gadites, to put David on the throne. The third, third component of the price consists in fulfilling the condition of obtaining a righteous heart before God. Fourth component of the price consists in walking before God. Fifth component consists in, in the price fulfilling the condition to have hope upon God and upon His Word. Sixth component is our trust upon God and upon His Word. Seventh is paying the price for the right to be a warrior in prayer within the rank of a king, priest, and prophet. And now the eighth component of the price This is the final, and then we will turn to results, giving us the power to the right to partake in the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of Christ and God, in His name shield, taking the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon Himself, is paying a price for the virtue of a student of Christ. A Psalm of David. The Psalm of David, the Psalms of David that people sung, they were so they were saturated with the truth and there was a sequence and it was showing what was primary what was secondary what was a tactic what was a strategy all was there because it was a teaching there was a melody and people sang and when they sang these songs it would it, uh, they would memorize it easier and so our songs also need to reflect uh, the truth and not just uh, artistry or other things. There needs to be ha- a, a truth or a form of truth so that people can soak it in. A Psalm of David, plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. When David said these things, he understood perfectly that this needs to be said and then confess and continue to confess this because God will use our words. He will protect us uh, using the confessions of the faith of our heart. But before confessing the faith of our heart, we need to first ask upon God's conditions. Why do we need to ask God if he already knows about this? People ask. I was listening to an atheist, a very famous atheist. He very logically uh, sums everything up and he proves uh, to them that pastors don't know anything, that Jesus didn't know anything, and he says, and so if you're saying God knows everything, then why do you ask anything of him? Because this person doesn't know that God made man sovereign, and he can't, without the uh, consent of a man, help him with anything. And to help a person, a person needs to, using the word of God, he needs to take these words and turn to God with these words so that he can help him. 
this atheist doesn't know this. God is a sovereign individual, and he created men sovereign. And so it's easy for me to meet any atheist. I don't need a lot of time. I need 10, 15 minutes, and I will be, uh, they'll put be, be in a fifth corner, and will, uh, and they will feel ridiculous. When I was in the army, and there were generals there, captains, and others, and these people actually, two of them I know actually had what was called a red diploma. This was the the highest uh, institution. Uh, this was an academy, a war academy. And they told me, listen, this is a young green soldier. He isn't telling me that I'm an, a, a fool or idiot, but I feel that way because my theory of atheism is completely shattered, is put, turned into dust when he, he talks to me. He was talking about me, and one of, one of the men actually brought his wife to hear me so that she asked me questions, and she was uh, crying. He was always saying, uh, talking about our conversations, and officers would come to me, and we would talk for six, seven hours at a time. And as soon as I... Uh, as soon as I was released uh, for whatever I was doing, duties and such, people would immediately gather and ask me questions. And, and so as soon as I answer all their questions, then they try to bring me into another place where there's other people that wanted to ask me questions. And then they finally brought me to the, to, to, to the general, and the general said, you're going to break apart my entire army but I told them, how is it that you're so strong, strong atheists you guys are, so confident? How can you say that? But he told me, you know, everything you're saying uh, is the truth, and you're right, and you're upon the right path. And he said this very clearly to me, and I told him, you know, General, if I'm on the right path, then why don't you walk that path? And he showed uh, his his medals and things and he said you know how much I what price I paid to get all of this I will be stomped upon by everyone but I don't want to be if I do that and so if you want to be a Christian then you'll be trampled on but him he was saying I can't be trampled on because of my position In churches, sometimes a person is uh, put under warning for a serious reason, and they'll go to court. And we had a situation like that also in our church, and they went to court, and and so in our document, we do have something that says that we have the right to put people under warning when necessary. In other churches, apparently, they don't have this right. Um, because they'll be then, uh, they'll they'll lose their their monthly uh, wages and things like that if they if they do that kind of thing. And so we need to tell God, God wants 
us using these words of prayer to turn to him. We're sovereign individuals. God wants to help us, but he can't help us until we tell him his very words. He says, take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my shield. Also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let these be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. He says these words according to scripture. Let them be like chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly, and let his net that he has hidden catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him? Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. Psalm 35, 1 through 10. We need to note we need to immediately note that in the given prayer psalm of David that is presented by the Holy Spirit in the format of a teaching, it's referring to the elementary teaching of Christ. According to the words of Christ himself within the foundation of the root system of the teaching of David and the growing branches from this root system is Christ himself and his teaching. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches and the root and the offspring of David the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears says, Come, and let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Revelations 22, 16, 17. Only for those who thirst. If you're not thirsty, you won't receive anything. And so according to these words, we conclude that paying the price which is fulfilling the condition to abide in the teaching of Christ gives God the legitimate foundation he needs to be living shield for us, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies. Apprehending the teaching of Christ and fulfilling it is only possible for that category of people that have fulfilled specific conditions to clothe themselves into the virtue of students of Christ. <clears throat> Only having paid the price for the virtue of being a student of Christ, we obtain the ability to pay the price so that we can apprehend the teaching of Christ. The essence of the teaching of Christ consists of making a specific form of, or a specific nature of prayer by, a, by warriors in prayer where he is clothed into the all armor of God and then confesses the will of God, the judgment of God over his enemies. You need to proclaim God's will in, ju in God's judgments over your enemy. Demonstrating the power of all of the names of God in our life is only possible in this situation when we, in the virtue of warriors in prayer, which is the virtue of a student, student of Christ, pray the words that come out of the mouth of God spoken by the messengers of God. According to the words of Apostle James, a person who has not paid the price for the right to be a student of Christ is led by the desires of their soul, thinking that they are being led by the Holy Spirit. And as a result of the desires that war within the members of his body, such a person is not able to receive anything from God, because he asks not for what is good, but to use what he is asking for to benefit his desires. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they 
not come from your desires for pleasure that were in your members. And so where does it come from? From the desires, your desires for pleasure that were in your members. You have unclean desires, pride, and you want <clears throat> that others bow before you, that you say something and it become law. That's what he's referring to. But who has allowed you to speak in such a tone with one another? Every time you come up to a person and begin to condemn him in anything, this is the controlling spirit. If you want to be friends, don't ever condemn. Even if a person's guilty, you don't condemn him. Because as soon as you begin to condemn him, then there will not be, or accuse him, there will not be any friendship. A friendship happens when a person is considerate of the other. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that were in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And so when we uh, break the peace in the hearts of others and then we try to come to God and God won't give us anything. You do not have because you do not ask. Often a person doesn't have because he doesn't ask God of it. He, or he asks for what he should not be asking for. Instead of asking for wisdom, he asks for patience and love. But you need to ask for wisdom. Who does not have enough wisdom, may he ask from God. But patience, need, you don't need to ask for it. You need to develop this inside. Patience is hope. If you have hope, you will be patient. If you've told you when you're 18 years old, the 10 million that's on your bank account, that's in your name, he's passed away, and when you're 18 years old, he has he has said, then you will be able to receive it, and you need to then wait. You need to do something and then wait, live without that money, knowing that you have them, but you can't use them right now. This is that a person does not ask, but when he asks, God will show him that I, he has put everything that he has upon the account of this person. But you need to ask for specific promises and, and, and know how to wait. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He calls adulterers and adulteresses people who have friendships with people of the world. <clears throat> and so if you're a friend of God and you're a friend of people of the world, to be friends with the world means to uh, to, to get in, uh, we're not talking about uh, physical adultery, but spiritually. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an en enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace, therefore he says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, 1-7 through And so submitting to God... You can't resist God, the devil until you submit to God. When we submit to God and we give him the ability to protect our interests, that is when we are obedient to God and we can then resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Therefore, the prayer of many people who have received their salvation in justification by the gift of the grace of God in the format of a guarantee will never be able to be answered by God for the reason that many of these people will refuse to pay the price for the right to be students of Christ, as well as for the right to apprehend the teaching of Christ by being instructed in faith. The essence of the teaching of Christ will consist in how to turn the deposit of our salvation into profit in the death of our Lord Jesus so that you can receive your salvation as a personal possession or as something you fully own. That is what the teaching needs to consist of. Now great multitudes went with him, with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He comes after Christ, but without his cross. He does not carry his own cross, bear his own cross. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 25-33. And so when it says to hate, it's here talking about, it's not talking about a physical hate. It's talking about placing the desires of your husband, wife, your brothers, your sisters, your father, your mother, uh, secondary to God's. If the word of the wife or husband or parents do not correspond to scripture, we don't need to do them. That's what it means, hate. It's not emotional hate. It's fulfilling God's will. <clears throat> not understanding the truth that consists in the teaching of the cross of Christ by the means of which a person is called to turn the silver of his salvation to profit, to renounce your nation, the house of your father, and the corrupt desires of your soul, a person is only able to become a student of Pharisees and Sadducees in this case. And he will never be able to become a student of Jesus Christ so that uh, you can then give God the legitimate grounds upon which you can uh, he can be for you then a shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us <clears throat> by our enemies. Many people in many churches who call themselves believers in Christ or Christians do not understand and are not within the order of the kingdom of heaven in the form of the narrow gate or narrow path that leads to eternal life, but rather walk the wide gate and the, that leads to death. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, <clears throat> because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew 7, 13, 14. The narrow gate and narrow path lead to eternal life. This is the order of the kingdom of heaven consisting in the structure of theocracy in the form of the good wife. Jesus said this about it. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11:12. Therefore, according to the words of Apostle Luke, to enter the narrow gate is to use all of the available to us means, energy, and abilities to obtain the good wife. And so Jesus is the head, he's the door, but he's the head of the church, and the church is the door. And so we need to uh, find the door, and that's the good wife. 
And so you ask, well, are there churches that are not doors? There are many churches that are not doors. Those churches that are doors, they're not counted amongst the churches that are known. And so people ask me, why are there uh, addresses of all these other churches, but your, your, the address of your church is not here? But I told them, well, because they consider us heretics, that we don't exist. We're not counted among them. When Balaam blessed the nation of Israel, he looked at the nation. Here's the nation that is not counted among other nations. And so if you speak the truth, what leaders will want to accept you? Because these leaders then need to make way for the true apostles because these leaders are elected or they've placed themselves. God did not put them, many of them. I'm not talking about any specific churches, but when a person's voted for or do they, uh, they bring someone in because of a prophecy, A person who is from God needs to have God's wisdom, he needs to have a heart of a father, he needs to have a moral uh, lifestyle that needs can be imitated uh, easily, who can say of himself, uh, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I turn to a church of Episcopals and I ask them, can you say to your churches, imitate me as imi I imitate Christ and they said well you have to be arrogant to say that and I and I told him well, why are you answering for everyone else and, and he said well they all will tell you this and we knew you're a heretic that's why and so if there's a person who can say imitate me as I imitate Christ this is a heretic in their in their opinion it's better for them that it, it someone be voted for and that will give food that they want, things they want to hear. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Many will seek such a church because the gates of heaven, the narrow gate, is the church, the good wife, a church that has the virtue of a good wife, the virtue of a narrow gate. And so when once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, if you pay attention here, you can't always end up in this church. There's a time in which you can <clears throat> end up in the church. There was a time when you would be able to enter the Ark of Noah while Noah was building the Ark uh, with this building, he was preaching, but people weren't listening. And as soon as Noah came in, God closed the door behind him. And when the rains uh, started pouring, they tried to come to this ark and knock and asking him to open. But he couldn't open because God closed the door. And so such churches, God opens the door for a specific time so it can be found. If a person begins to search and say, Lord, give me the church, which is the door of heaven, where your apostle is present, who has, 
who is a father who is anointed. Allow me to find such a church, this narrow gate. Show me the person, and God will show you. They will begin to knock and say, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Luke 13, 23-27. When will this happen? When we will be we will put on incorruption here on earth, then will they will begin to knock in upon the door of this church, but because they didn't pay a price, they could have found it timely. They mocked this church, uh, God's church, God's people, and told people not to communicate with his people. About me, they say, he is a hypnotizer, it's better not to go there, because as soon as you talk to him, you will immediately be hypnotized. They are happy to do anything as long as people won't come here to listen or see for themselves. According to these words, the small flock in the form of, of the chosen by God remnant is the category of people who have paid the price for the right to be students of Christ, as well as for the ability to apprehend the teaching. At the same time, many people who are confident in their salvation because they learned not on the street of Jerusalem, but upon streets that only they know about. Therefore, and so they say, you taught in our streets, they said. But you know, in Jerusalem, there's no streets. There's Jeru- Jerusalem has one street, but they were being learning on other streets. And so, therefore, they, with these streets, defied the street of Jerusalem, walked they walked, therefore, the, the wide gate and the wide path that leads to death, having rejected the will of God for them, having chosen, rather, teachers that would deceive their ears. First, the reason a person is not able to walk the narrow gate consists in him not understanding and not be, uh, being taught by what criteria you separate the character of the narrow gate from the wide gate in the form of the apostles who are placed by God from teachers that have they have chosen for themselves that they lie to their uncircumcised ear. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the keeping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we would no longer be children tossed to and from, carried by about carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When every one of us uh, works within the, the parameters of our gifts, and each one of us have these gifts. And this could be mercifulness, could be fellowship with one another, because all people hunger for fellowship. You know, many of us hunger for fellowship. But there are people who hunger for fellowship only with specific people. And there are those who hunger with for fellowship with us, and we avoid them. 
And so when we rise to such a level where we will begin to see the people, where we will be able to use our gifts in fellowship, in this way we are joined and knit together. We are then uh, knit together uh, to the body. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Second reason for why a person is not able to walk the narrow gate consists in the fact that he does not know the place to look for the place to look for it and what what means and methods he needs to use so that he can enter the narrow gate. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Second Corinthians one twenty. The place and method. You need to find a a person who is an apostle and build a legitimate relationship so that the truth may come into our heart. Third, the reason a person is not able to walk the narrow gate consists in him considering the wide gate as the narrow gate and the narrow gate as the wide gate. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so by saying we have the mind of Christ, we can comprehend the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. Fourth, the reason a person is not able to walk the narrow gate consists in him consciously avoiding even the opportunity opportunity to walk the narrow gate because he has loved darkness more than the light. For every one who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth come to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. John 3, 20 through 21, according to the above-mentioned place of Scripture, the narrow gate and narrow path that leads to eternal life is the good wife in the heart of a person who has an organic membership to the body of Christ, identifying the order of the kingdom of heaven with Christ as the head in the form of his elementary teaching. First, the twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem, the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem, And so, the wall of the New Jerusalem, the twelve pearly gates of the New Jerusalem, the tree of life that grows in the midst of the tree of the New Jerusalem, in the midst of the street of the New Jerusalem, that bears fruit twelve times a year, and all of this according to the word of Christ, is within him and in the teaching that he preached to his disciples. And where you go, you know, or where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 4 through 6. And if you remember when he was leaving them, shortly before, he was saying uh, that he delegated them and said, the sins you forgive will be forgiven, and the sins you retain will be retained. Therefore, according to the definition contained in the same place of Scripture, the wide gate and the wide path that leads to death is a church in the form of a woman who is foolish, clamorous, simple, and knowing nothing. And I think you you immediately understand who it's referring to. A clamorous, 
foolish, simple, knowing nothing woman, false charismatic services. That's who it's referring to. A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the house highest places of the city to call to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And so simple in this in this uh, situation is talking about someone who, who is foolish. Uh, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten is secret in secret is, ple- is pleasant. And so stolen words, they steal all the time and they present it as their own. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Proverbs 9.13-18 And so if you continue to read, it talks about you departing from her, avoiding her, so that you not share in her destructive ways. And so there are such churches that you just need to leave, if you're part of it, leave those services and find the right one. According to the definition of the same place of scripture, the wide gate and wide path that leads to death is our heart that is in dependence of the old man that lives within our body, who identifies within our heart the order of the mystery of lawlessness in the form of a woman who is foolish, clamorous, simple, and knowing nothing, together with the man of sin and son of perdition in the form of his corrupt teaching and thoughts of the things of the world. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 5 through 8. Thoughts about spiritual things is God's mark on our forehead. Thoughts about the worldly things is a mark of the of the beast upon our forehead. It's not an electronic chip, but carnal mentality or carnal mind is this mark of the beast. And so now let us bend our knees and we will pray and we will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today from the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that I can, together with your saints, upon this blessed by you place that you have appointed for the worshiping of your holy name, because upon this place you have magnified your word and have made it your throne. And we come to your throne, which is your word, and we thank you that you have magnified it in the temple of our body and that you're vigilant that it be fulfilled. May your good word be fulfilled that we have concealed within our heart. May your mercy and your truth be fulfilled that we have concealed within our heart. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, may the works of the devil be destroyed within our life. May the stronghold of death be destroyed in our body and may the stronghold of life be erected in our body. We thank you that you are our God and we are your children. 
may your favor be upon your nation now and forever and when we sin before your face have mercy upon us and blot out our sins before your face in Jesus Christ we thank you that in Jesus Christ we do not have sin and although we fall we continue to stay righteous before your face because you said the righteous may fall seven times but rise again the wicked will fall once and will not rise again and so we thank you that although we can fall you still have given us the ability to rise again and again clothing ourselves into the confessions of the faith of our heart we thank you that you have made us nets of the kingdom of heaven we thank you that we have caught ourselves into these nets in the confessions of our mouth when we confess the faith of our mouth then may your mercy be upon us now and forever all those saints that watch us maybe on television or listen to us may they be blessed before your face and the word that they hear may it make them immovable before your face and may they be joined to us and so we thank you for those to whom you've given the ability and the privilege to hear this truth and abide in this truth we worship before you in this great church our great god son and holy spirit amen our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs>